either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Heading into Memorial Day weekend, usually it's time for blockbusters at the theaters. Things obviously a little different this year, but we've got a lot to talk about. Some good stuff, too, and I'm glad you're here to talk about them with us. This is the Screening Room Podcast. Welcome. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And and we'll start with a new one on Netflix. A couple experiences a defining moment in their relationship when they are unintentionally embroiled in a murder mystery, The Lovebirds. We just need to find the guy, the police are looking for. So you're suggesting we actually go out there and solve a murder? <laughs> Embroiled. Yeah, Embroiled is a good word. It is a good one. That sets about a series of events that, that will remind a lot of people of the movie from a few years ago called Date Night with uh, Steve Carell and Tina Fey, which was funny. Yeah, it was a funny was. movie. This one takes basically the same premise. You've got a couple here. And they've been together for a while. They've kind of lost the spark. Oh, ho-hum. And then they get some some drama in their lives in the uh, shape of a body falling from the sky and falling <laughs> on the windshield of their car. And then things... Catalyst. To- Catalyst. That's right. I think we both yelled at the, at the uh, screen when it came on. Catalyst. And like Date Night and any movie really built this way, it's going to depend a lot on the chemistry and the comedic ability of the two people at the heart of this, and they score big time, because here it's Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae, and they are both obviously very talented, and they're both so effortlessly likable. They are. They're just delightful people on screen, and it's it's very hard to root against them. And also I think it's, they're a cute couple. They are, which... and of course you have to get past staring at her perfect teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, and it's funny, the first time I ever saw her in anything, I think I was so preoccupied by how perfect her teeth are yeah. that it took me a while to start paying attention to the film. They're and, and glorious. Also, I mean, yeah. she's a beautiful, she's That's a gorgeous thing. woman, she's but beautiful. that smile is just insane. Yeah, she's beautiful anyway, but the teeth, not only are they gleaming white, but they appear to be just perfect. Perfectly <laughs> placed, perfectly straight. So if that was the result of maybe some orthodonture in, uh, when she was young, bravo. That's right. Well done, doctor. But anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there are. there. I mean, you like them as a couple. You do. So very much that you do. Just root the whole time for them. Yeah. And it gets going early on. I think, for me, it was funnier. It was more funny early on than it is when it starts to trail off, which happens a lot. But yeah. it's a solid setup. They're funny. As we said, they're kind of bored with each other after four years, I think, of living living together, and they get those shots in with each other. Very comfortable, very lived-in sort of humor, and it seems very authentic until things take off, and they're sort of on the run trying to maybe prove their innocence or maybe solve the the crime or the murder and what's going on. Do they want to go to the cops or maybe they should run from the cops because there's no way they're going to believe them, and, and you know where we're going with that. So it's a case where they are, you're right, they are so easy to root for and easy to like, and the script... It is funny. Now, this one was directed by Michael Showalter, who was the same director for uh, Kumal's fantastic movie, The Big Sick. 
from a few years ago. The difference here is Kumail and his wife wrote that, and it was so personal and so intimate and and. For our money, one of the best romantic comedies of the last yeah, se- several years. Their screenplay was nominated for an Oscar. So, yeah, I mean, it was well an incredibly deserved. well-written movie. Yeah, that was. So if you haven't seen The Big Sick, look it up. Fantastic movie. So this one isn't written with that sort of skill and that sort of layers of insight and humor. But it is funny. It is. It is funny. It's, it's not a laugh right now. It is rated R. And that's really mainly for F-bombs. I mean, there's not a lot of violence. There's not a lot of sexual innuendo. I don't think that there's any nudity or very, very little. It's it's really just F-bombs. So if it's a case where, depending, I don't know where you may be, but if you're in the part of the country where we are that has seen maybe 17 days in a row of pouring rain, <laughs> uh, you know, and you're enjoying the holiday weekend, then the night comes, you're like, hey, let's watch something kind of funny. Look, something to just make you smile. Exactly. With some performers that are that are very likable, and it's a fun story. It's not something you're going to remember a week from now. Not really, but no. But when you do think about it, you think, yeah, that was a good time. Mm-hmm. Perfectly sums up Netflix's new one, The Lovebirds. Next up, more funny business. Actors Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan travel from Troy to Ithaca, following in the footsteps of the Odysseus. It's the trip to Greece. This is the fourth time we've been on one of these little jaunts. We're uh, retracing the the steps of Odysseus. Greeks were camped here ten years. I can do a week tops with a pillow. I won't camp without a pillow. Hello. I look better as I get older. Lots of women well, say Well, a man is going to say it as well. I'm saying it. You look better older. Oh, thank you. You were unpalatable as a young man. We've not got much time left. You're going to miss me. It can be exhausting. Good God, you should meet you. 97 minutes, you forget what a self-regarding ass Coogan is in real life. My takeaway from that is he thinks I'm a brilliant actor. That's what you take away from yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's another one. If you're feeling shut in and uh, it's been raining and raining all day, every day, you're going to watch this movie and either you're going to think, that's too much for me, I can't take it, or you're going to go, wow, Greece looks nice. My Lord, it does. Just incredible. I think that is the one. Well, first of all, this is, if you didn't know, this is the fourth in a series of these movies. And it actually started with a TV series, a British TV series, 10 years ago. It's been 10 years now. Um, and Rob and Steve, they're playing themselves, but they're playing fictionalized versions of themselves. And basically it all started, and the, whole, and the premise continues here, where they travel around to different countries and they try the best restaurants in those countries and they write restaurant reviews for this newspaper. And, of course, in doing that, they just trade barbs at each other and pick at each other. And really the main thing that launched this, they do dueling celebrity impressions. There, And in the, the one, the first one, which is really, which you can find on YouTube, the two of them go back and forth with Michael Caine and it is just a stitch. <laughs> it really is. It is. That is pretty much the thing that launched this series yeah. once that got, uh, got viral. But they've continued it, not just the Michael Caine, they're done with that now, but they bring in tons of other celebrity impressions and, and really critiquing each other's right. no that's not right yeah. and they go back and forth and then they, <laughs> they just pick at each other for a variety of things as they consult the tour book and and also quiz each other on the history of greece and the the uh, path that they're trotting and also of course since they're in the car a 
lot of the times. The the soundtrack, the the traveling soundtrack comes into play in each episode as well. And this time it's heavy on the BGs. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton's a fan. Yeah, exactly. So it's very simple. If you've seen any of these movies and you like them, you're going to like this. Uh, it's exactly the same premise. And going back to the city, I think this one, the thing that this one has going for it about, among all the others, I think the scenery is more impressive. Yeah. It's just dropped it. Then they go in those caves. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go to Greece right now. Yeah, no, it looks great. The food looks great, the which is food. always the case. Oh. You know, you finish these movies and think, I'm so hungry right yes. now. Yes, um, no. But the other thing I think that sets this one apart a little bit is, you know, what? there's always like the just a hint of a story kind of layered into mm-hmm. this. And in this case, I feel like that story is more poignant. It is. It doesn't, it feels like they're maybe more comfortable in their skin now, in their, in their aging skin, um, with not trying to chase their youthful selves and maybe settling in and appreciating not only not only where they are geographically, but where they are in their lives. And so you're right. There's a poignancy about it that I think if they were to stop here, it kind of feels like they might. This yeah. would be a real nice place to stop. Agreed. Because all four of them are worth seeing. They really are. I, I think for my money, probably the second one, Italy, is the most uproariously funny. But they're all funny. It's just varying degrees of funny. And uh, if, if this type of humor is in your ballpark, by all means, this one is worth checking out. The latest, the fourth in the series, The Trip to Greece. And it's available on Amazon, but it's not a... It's not one of those premium no. rentals. This one is a five ninety nine, not a twenty dollars. So a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more reasonable. And again, like we said with the first movie, if you want to laugh this weekend, this will do it for you. The trip to Greece. Next is the story of a patriarch of a wealthy and powerful family suddenly passing away, leaving his wife and daughter with a shocking secret inheritance that threatens to unravel and destroy their lives. It's called inheritance. A heart attack. How'd that even happen? Dad was in better shape than either of us. Warren, there's something I need to discuss with you. What is it? Your father left this for you. And you alone. Does any daughter really know her father? I called it not very good. <laughs> That's not as catchy of a title. It isn't. Not You're at all. Right. It's got some uh, Simon Pegg is in it. Also, Lily Collins. You've got, well, Patrick Warburton, which for me will always be putty. Yeah, it's funny. It's so odd to see him in a, in a serious it role. It is. And also Connie Nielsen. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, if you saw, and not many people did, maybe besides us, the weird movie with Margot Robbie a few years ago called Terminal. Yes. This is the same director. Yeah. Von Stein is his name. And he's got some kind of blackmail images on Simon Pegg, <laughs> because Simon Pegg has shown up on both of these films, and I'll give him this, he's absolutely stretching as an actor, because it's it's not the kind of role you expect from him, not in Terminal and not in this, and he's all in in both cases. He's very impressive. It's just the, the movie around him is not good. Right, just like Terminal hits you at the very end with this big surprise they thought that you weren't going to be hip to, and you were hip to it in the first ten minutes. Yeah. Kind of the same deal here. It thinks it's a lot more thrilling than it is, and it, it is. just stretches the bounds of plausibility, and it's, it's it has... It's aspirations or or delusions of grandeur that uh, just come up empty. Yeah, I mean, actually, the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of the movie are pretty entertaining. It just, it's quite a slog to get to them. So if you can't tell, we were disappointed in Inheritance.
Got a comedy drama, drama comedy next, dramedy, with their partners away serving in Afghanistan. A group of women on the home front form a choir and quickly find themselves at the center of a media sensation and global movement. It's called Military Wives. I'm Kate Barkley, Colonel Barkley's wife. Let's come up with some exciting activities to do while our service people are away. What about singing? Singing? Let's just get the strippers in. <laughs> this singing club is going to be a lot of fun and uplifting. And there'll be a few beers afterwards. One, two, three. That was like the incantations of a bunch of witches. A bit dramatic. If you think singing with a pole up your arse is what the women need, then you're more out of touch than I thought. More troops are being deployed to Afghanistan. I just feel sick all the time. Every time the phone rings, every time the doorbell goes. You may not need the choir, Lisa, but those women do. No part of that makes me think I'm going to like a movie. Like, that is it's just not a movie that's going to appeal to me, except for this. Kristen Scott Thomas is, is the main character. Uh-huh. Yeah. The always formidable Kristen Scott Thomas. Yes. She's She cannot turn in a bad performance. Mm-hmm. Well, the title, first of all, I thought it was just the beginning of a Lifetime movie title. That's like, true. Military Wives Turn Stripper or something <laughs> like that. But it's, it, it sounds like a soap no, it opera, does. does it not? It does. Yeah, and it's, you know, uh, it's funny because the the biggest problem, I think, with the movie is that it is so familiar. You know, it's like there's something about it. You feel like you've seen it before. The story itself, it's it's a frenemy situation. And they start a choir, but it's just going to remind you of, of other things. For example, A League of Their Own, where it's just this group of women and they're going to infight and there's a war happening. If, if you just swap out baseball for a choir, it's very much, it's a very, very similar movie, except this one doesn't find fresh ways to sort of uh, offer some laughs. Or... Right. This is the director is Peter Catanio, I think how you pronounce it, who did the full Monty years ago. And uh, this one, yeah, you're right. It just hits a lot of the same beats. And it's not that it's not an interesting story, but by the end, you're just like, eh, yeah, okay. Even yeah. though, you know, you're right, Kristen Scott Thomas, it feels sort of wasted here. It does, And yeah. that's Military Wives. Let's do a documentary next, and a fascinating documentary. An artist befriends the thief who stole her paintings. She becomes his closest ally when he is severely hurt in a car crash and needs full-time care, even if her paintings are not found. But then the tables turn. It's called The Painter and the Thief. I don't know what to think. We have identified the thief. We have not found the painting. Uh, we had his name from the court papers. Hello? You might know who I am. I'm just a curious person. What made you do it? It was... Your masterpiece. I'll ask you regularly to sit here. I can tell you some more about how I got to be a criminal. This guy is often quite self-destructive. It feels like that is his way to be seen. You can open your eyes now. Whoa! What the... (laughs) This is destructive. So these three... Inheritance, Military Wives, and The Painter and the Thief. These are all available to stream at gatewayfilmcenter.org. And this one is unquestionably the choice that you want to make. Yeah, it's a fascinating look at, at human nature, how we see ourselves, how other people see us. 
forgiveness, not only forgiving other people, but forgiving yourself. And it's it's incredibly moving it is. Uh, in, in some spots as the story takes some unbelievable and very surprising turns. I think I would be very surprised if you're not totally caught up in this story. It's one of those movies, it's a documentary, and had it been fiction, you would have written it off as ridiculous. Right. But it Because it is such an amazing story. And also some really gorgeous art that you get to see. And here's the thing it reminded me of, because it's, it starts Catalyst, Catalyst here, <laughs> the, the artist's masterpiece, I guess, is stolen from an art gallery in broad daylight. Yeah. And it always reminded me, your sister yeah. used to work in a small gallery, and paintings would be stolen in the middle of the day in broad daylight. Yeah. That just kills me. I know. Just walk it, in and walk out. I know. It's amazing that, that it's that easy to do, um, especially you would expect... <laughs> them, I mean, you just would. I mean, it's been movies. People break in late right. at night, and they have to sort of, Pierce you know, Brosnan exactly has to slide under the laser exactly. beam. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You just—I don't know how they do it. The, especially these, some of these paintings, these paintings that they stole—they're big. Yeah, and it's of course it's the one painting that this artist feels most closely connected to. Yep. It's considered her her prize, and she's an, an excellent artist. Yeah, obviously. she is. But then what? And we certainly don't want to spoil anything, but you will be totally enthralled and caught up in it. But you're right, especially if you like art, yes, especially paintings. Um, it's you're, it's going to get you even more. So again, you can stream it through GatewayFilmCenter.org right now, along with Military Wives and Inheritance. And the nice thing about that is, when you go to a, a, a theater's website like that and stream it, it gives them a little kickback. Exactly. Yeah, that's which, that's really yeah. why we like to point it out that you can see them this way, because obviously they're not getting money in any other way right now. Exactly right. So a big recommendation for the painter and the thief. And by the way, it's it was given four and a half out of five stars by our writer Kat McAlpine. She loved it, and she did the written review. If you want to read that, it's up at Mad Wolf. Com. Got a nutty one next, set in New York City's Chinatown. An ornery, chain-smoking Chinese grandma goes all in at the casino, landing herself on the wrong side of luck and in the middle of a gang war. Lucky grandma. Well, if you saw the farewell, you're going to be familiar with the term nai-nai. <laughs> Grandma. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I, I now love that term, nai-nai. And I think it might be because... The only times I've ever been uh, exposed to it, I have just loved the grandmas. This is a different nai-nai. Oh, my, yes. <laughs> oh, she so is. She's hysterical. She's, uh, yeah, she's uh, ornery. That's a great word for her. At the very beginning of the film, she's convinced by her, her friend slash doctor slash fortune teller that luck is coming her way. So she gets on an old people's bus to the casino. And she's just so funny betting all this money and winning and winning and winning because she's impossible to impress. She's just dead-eyed, just smoking, smoking, smoking. And the only time you get anything at all is when she really beats somebody who's being sort of condescending to her, and then she just giggles maliciously. It's the best. <laughs> but then, that's actually not... Then there is the catalyst, which is where everything turns on its ear, and then she finds herself chased by gangsters, and then there's this weird, huge gangster war that she finds herself embroiled in. <laughs> the film itself feels familiar 
It's just that the hero is so completely alien to anything that we've seen. And it's it's amazing in that way. I mean, I can't tell you how much fresher this all is because she's 80. <laughs> she's chain smoking and she's mean as hell. And this is writer, co-writer and director Sassy, Seely, uh, S-A-S-I-E, Sassy. Uh, and it's you almost get the feeling that, I mean, The Farewell wasn't that long ago. So you have to have... A nine eye has to be different, really, oh, yeah. because the farewell was so universally loved. Um, why it didn't get any more Oscar love, I don't know, but that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. But yeah, this you, all you have to do is look at her face in the pic. In, oh, yeah. in any photo, like yo, that's not the same nine eye. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's funny though, is that the same woman played the voice of nine eye in the animated film Abominable. So oh. she's the go-to. <laughs> And she's she's just wonderful. She's just wonderful. And then once, you know, the gangsters are giving her a hard time, then she hires a bargain hunter, as only a grandma can be. She hires a bodyguard, and and then it's it's a very fun. There's a lot of fun physical comedy there because she's tiny, as most eighty year old grandmas are, and this man is just huge, just this big gentle giant of a guy. Which is the other thing is that not only physically are they completely different, but they're just emotionally. They're what because he's very actually soft and sweet, and she's just mean. And we we have to give the uh, actress credit, Sai Chin. She's is so the good. lucky grandma. She's so, so good. Yeah, and so. she's just so much fun. And yeah, the film is a hoot. Let's do a crime drama. Eddie Franks is a former criminal who attempts to help his family by reconnecting with his daughter and clearing his brother's debt. Despite his efforts, he is drawn back into a criminal way of life and devastating consequences. It's just called Villain. Eddie boy, your brother's in a serious bit of trouble. Well, what's he done? He's upset some people. Move! There's 25 grand now. I said I wanted our money. Either that or we take the pub. They want the pub. Everything me and you have worked for, all the graph we've put in, it's all out the window. Gone. Let's not playing games, eh? Well, I'm far too shrewd to let a couple of bully boys like you have me over. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. Heard yeah. that before. Heard that before. Yes, and this is going to feel familiar. It just is. And I was I was kind of hopeful for it because I do enjoy those British kind of thug beat em up movies. I think that they can be very fun. Uh, this one is just so rote. It doesn't have anything really new to offer. Craig Fairbrass, I was not familiar with him, although he's got a lot of credit, so he's obviously done a lot of these films. Uh, but he, he and he he's solid. He's solid at the center of this. And a lot of the other performances are solid, too. But the writing and direction is just so obvious. It's so exactly what you expect it to be. Yeah, it is very formulaic. And you also get the, the feeling that he's consciously trying to stay out of Guy Ritchie territory, which I understand. I do, too, except it would have been nice, to be honest with you. Just a little bit of flair, a little pizzazz. That's so much to ask. And the uh, written review for this one was by our writer, Rachel Willis. And again, you can find that one up now at madwolf.com. And we'll finish with the story of a young girl whose dream of becoming a superhero is threatened by terminal illness, inspiring her village to rally together to make her dream come true. Supa Modo. What is a mission? To save them all so I can finally fly! 
This is a film that's actually a couple of years old, but it's finally available for streaming, and you can get it at wexarts.org. Yeah, and this is one we talked about needing some some comedy right now uh, with all that's going on. This is one that'll just reaffirm your faith in human decency. Which, yeah, that's, which that's we can nice also today. use right now, even though it is based, it is centered around the story of a child with a terminal illness. She is nine year old Joe. And she's in Kenya and spending most of her days in a hospital. But then when her mother, Catherine, gets some distressing news about her future, she decides to take her child home and just have her at home for whatever time they have left. And Joe is fascinated with the superheroes in the movie. She wants superpowers and she especially wants to fly. And her sister, her teenage sister, really encourages that. And so much so that once she's back living at home and the whole village gets wind of of what's going on, they orchestrate little scenarios where Joe can solve a crime, you know, (laughs) using her superpowers. And it's all very make-a-wish standard stuff that we've seen before. But then the director, uh, Lacarion Wanena, and I probably butchered that and I'm sorry, makes it deeper because... By creating a conflict, and the conflict comes into play when Catherine, the mother, doesn't approve of any of this. Right. She doesn't like what her other daughter is doing. She doesn't like what the village is doing. So there's a conflict there. There's a push and pull, which is always going to make the resolution a little more sweet. And it's interesting. Really, the beauty of this is once you get to the resolution, and it's one that could so easily have been just maudlin cliché. Yeah. And it isn't because of a twist they give it, which I'm not going to spoil. Even right down to the very final shot takes on multiple meanings uh, with how they how they treat it. And it's it's not a very long movie. It's only about oh geez, barely 80 minutes. Yeah, uh, I think it's about 75 minutes. So it's it's a quick watch, but it'll just yes, you'll probably need the Kleenex, but there'll be happy tears. Right. They really, it's just the sweetest sweetest way and uh, really had a good time and really appreciated a a movie called Supermodo. And that takes us to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Out on their typical home video schedule, and again, pretty soon this is going to dry up because nothing's going to be on their typical schedule. A movie with Zoe Deutsch called Buffaloed. This was a funny one, uh, a little indie movie, and she's kind of a shyster in a small town. Well, in Buffalo, not a small town at all. Um, <laughs> a cold town. <laughs> a cold town. And uh, and she plays against type. She's she's great. She, you know what? She, and we've said that every she's time. She's got it. Yeah, yeah. she does. Whatever uh, it is, she's got it. And if you didn't know, she is Leah Thompson's daughter. Yeah. And if you look at them back to back, you can tell. Jay Courtney. Also in this, not a favorite of yours. He does a very solid job, <laughs> good, though. Yeah, good. yeah. It's a fun film. It's got some surprises to it. It's got that sort of cool indie edge about it. We enjoyed it. Yeah. Also on DVD this week, the latest version of Emma, and it's so funny. Somebody came up to me just a couple days ago and said, "Well, you'll know what is out on home video this week." And I mentioned Emma, and they said. Do we need another version of Emma? And, you know, that's a good question because there have been a lot, let's be honest. And this one is worth seeing. It is. Mainly for the cast. It's not the funniest adaptation of a Jane Austen comedy. For that, we we always point you to love, love and friendship. And friendship. Hilarious. My lord. Hilarious. <laughs> but this one, as Emma, is Anya Taylor-Joy, who's mm-hmm. always good. Yes. And Bill Nye. <laughs> so funny. 
But you know the story, probably. Here you're going to get a very, very capable adaptation with some good humor, some good performances, and some beautiful landscapes. It is. It's a oh. gorgeous film. It really, really is. Gorgeous. So if you're a Jane Austen fan at all, yes, I know it's been done to death, but we did like Emma. The latest from Pixar, also out this week, Onward, featuring the voices of Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. They're trying to bring their father back with this magic spell, and they only ended up end up bringing... His bottom half back. Yeah. Um, and then they have to try to fix that. You know, and it's charming. It's it's enjoyable. It's very Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. which is huge now because of the lockdown, which I didn't <laughs> expect that to make such a big comeback. It suffers by comparison to other Pixar films. Right. That's the, that's the really catch-22 with all Pixar. Their highs are so high. That when it doesn't reach that, you you end up saying, oh, it's a disappointment. But there's, it's fine. It's right. totally fine. So if you if you wanted to have, because it's it's out on DVD, just mm-hmm. like Emma, these guys are out on DVD right now. So if you wanted to just hang on to it, so you can pop it in whenever the kids wanted to right. see it. Right, exactly. Also out on DVD, another one for the family, Sonic the Hedgehog. Now speaking of high bars and low bars, the bar or the high watermark for movies that are video game adaptations is very low. Very low. There have been some absolute train wrecks. So with that in mind, when we say this is one of the best ones, that is not the highest bar in the world. No. But but it's, it's so totally predictable. Don't expect good characterizations, really. Don't expect sharp writing. Expect fun with the animated Sonic the Hedgehog, which was cleaned up after the fanboys hated it. They right. redesigned Sonic, and he looks fine. Yeah. I'd never played the game. I don't know. No. It's Jim Carrey rubber-facing and chewing all the scenery, as you know he would, mm-hmm. as the villain. And again, it's it's fine. It's one of the better video game adaptations, but that's not saying a whole it lot. It is not but saying I, a whole lot. I do think the kids will probably enjoy it, Sonic the Hedgehog. And one that we didn't enjoy, Brahms the Boy 2. Blah! <laughs> it's a sequel to The Boy, which I think nine of us saw. I can't imagine why they did a sequel. It's worse than the original. The only thing, the only standout is Ralph Ineson, who was the dad in The Witch. Lowest voice in the history of voices. That's the thing, right? I mean, it's, I'm not even going to say he was great in this movie. I just like to hear him talk. Ah. So he talks. He's got some lines. That's about the best I can say for Brahms, The All Boy right. too. Leave it on a high note. Speaking of... Next week, that's the only movie scheduled to come out. The I'm, High Note. We'll end up next oh, Wednesday with like eight new movies to exactly. review because that's how that would like, I like that I'm crying. Oh no, we've got movies to watch. <laughs> Forgive me. But yeah. yeah, right now, that's it. The High Note. It's Dakota Johnson and it's Tracy Ellis Ross, who, if you didn't know, is Diana Ross's daughter playing a music diva. Yeah. What do you know about that? Actually, we got to see it um, last week or so, a few days ago. So we'll talk about that one next week. In the meantime, what do you think about any of the movies this week? Let us know. We always love to keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all the written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all found on the main website, madwolf.com. If you would do us a favor while you're listening and just subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it. Yes, we would. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Hope it's not constantly raining where you are. And uh, (laughs) get in touch until next week. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.